Turn with me in your Bibles, please, to Romans chapter 1. Romans 1. And we are making our way through. And again, I'm not apologizing at all for how long it's going to take, how much I'm going to preach on, or how little I'm going to preach on. It really is as, as you know, I'm studying and going through and looking. Now, my intention was today to get through a few of these verses, at least 16 uh, through 17, a couple verses. And I gave those verses to Laura last night. She's like, only two verses? Um, I got... It gets a little worse, or better, depending on how you look at it. We're going to be looking at one verse this morning, <laughs> even less, maybe just half a verse. But it's we do this not intentionally, not to drag it out, not to prolong it, but because it's necessary for us. And I really hope and pray that the Lord will use this and help us to... Um, Better understand, and, and the reason I'm just going to focus in on one aspect of this verse is because we're living in a day and age right now where we need to be, as Christians, we need to be bold. We need to be bold in our proclamation. We can't afford to be ashamed, hide in the shadows any longer, you know, take the edge off the word. What's needed now in our society, in our day, it's needed all the time, but it's just highlighted now, just that boldness from us. And, and so many of us, most of us, are not like that. So I want us to be challenged, I want us to be encouraged, and I want us to act in boldness as Christians for Christ's sake. So that's why um, we'll be looking at verse 16. I will read verse 16 and 17 and hear the word of the Lord this morning. Paul says this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, I'm not ashamed of it, for it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew first, also to the Greek, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Amen and praise God. Father in heaven, I do thank you and praise you. I thank you for your word, the transcendent, majestic, inspired word of God, living, active word, Lord, that divides uh, the heart and soul, bone and marrow, Lord God. I just pray that you would send your Holy Spirit, that we would be engaged with our minds, Lord, with our hearts, that we would look to you, that we would be encouraged and challenged to live more and more for Jesus Christ and less and less for ourselves, to be emboldened to preach the gospel, for that is the source, that is the hope of change, not only in individuals' lives, but also in society, Lord God. So please help us to take heed of your word this morning, to be serious about it, to think about it, to pray on it, Lord, and then to apply it to our lives. I pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So these two verses that we're looking at really are the, the theme of the entire letter that Paul writes. The rest of the letter um, unfolds and expands on those verses that I just read. That's really, it's common knowledge if you know Romans, that that's it. This is the, the, the theme verse. It is the idea and the purpose of the gospel itself, the power of the gospel, the effects of the gospel, the implications of the gospel, how it changes us, how it transforms us. So this is the thread. Keep this in mind from the rest of the time as we go through Romans, however long that takes. Keep this verse in the front of your mind, at the forethought of your mind, because it's the thread that runs through the entire letter itself. So Paul even states the theme in verse 16, as I read, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes, the Jew first and the Greek 
uh, also. That, that, that's the theme stated in a general way of the whole letter. And then in verse 17, he gives a general or summary explanation when he says, for in it is the, the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith as it's written, the just or the righteous will live by faith. Then beginning with verse 18, through the end of the letter, he unfolds that. He starts working this out. So that's why this is so important to keep this in the front of your mind and on your heart. So, last week we talked about Paul and his obligation to preach the gospel, to tell everybody about Christ as he has the opportunity, because he is our only hope, ultimately. Um, And and this morning, um, as we look at, at verse 16, what I want us to focus in on, what I want to concentrate on, is Paul's attitude. Paul's like mindset, man, like where his thoughts are, where his, where his disposition is, where his, his posture regarding the gospel itself. Like, how am I going to approach this? What's my attitude going to be as I go out as a Christian with this news, with this message, with this, what, what's that look like? And I want us to see why it is so important for us and fundamental for us as Christians to cultivate this kind of attitude that Paul says. When he says, I'm not ashamed. I am not ashamed of the gospel. That's a very bold, confident, not just assertion, it's a declaration that he's made. He's very emphatic. It's bold, confident declaration that shows us his mindset what it is and what our mindset as Christians ought to be, what our attitude as Christians ought to be. Yes, we walk in humility, but it's a humble boldness in Christ. It's not being ashamed of who we are or the gospel that changes lives. And why are we like that? Why are we getting embarrassed in that way? Why are we so timid at times? Paul says, I'm not ashamed. So when when it comes to the gospel, that's what we ought to be like. And, and the first thing that Paul does, he states that idea or that attitude just as a matter of fact. That's just it. As, as, a, as a matter of fact, he is not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not. It's, that's what he's saying. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. And that's a fact. Uh, even Philippians 1, 20 and 21 says this. Paul says, it's my eager, as is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed. That's my expectation, hope. I'm not going to be ashamed to preach the gospel, to tell others about Christ, no matter what my situation is. But, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death, for me to live as Christ and to die is gain. That I will not be ashamed, that with full courage, now as always, I'll proclaim Christ. He knows that there's a temptation to be kind of embarrassed, ashamed, not courageous when it comes to speaking the truth of the gospel in the context in which we live. We'll talk about some of those reasons in just a little bit. But even to think about that word ashamed, when he says ashamed, it's not so much. I want There's a little bit of a nuance here we need to understand, right? It's not so much feeling embarrassed or rightly guilty because of some sinful behavior that brings shame. You know, you've done something so like sinful and you're just ashamed of that sin in that way. It, it includes that idea, but I think more so as, as it comes to having that mindset or attitude of, of boldness, the idea of, of being ashamed is that sometimes that timidity that we feel as Christians, that little bit of embarrassment 
you know, when you have to tell people the gospel and they're just like looking at you like you're from another planet, like, okay, that's the story. You want me to believe that? You know, what are they going to think of me if I tell them about Christ or their sin and now they need to believe in him, so on and so forth. It's that kind of, that uncomfortableness, that little bit of fear at times of, of man in that way um, that keeps you from speaking plainly the gospel. And that's the idea. We'll see more of that next week, that we must speak plainly and fully the gospel of Jesus Christ. We can't leave anything out because the power of God works in that as we proclaim the gospel as we ought to. But that's more for next week. But but the thing is, when we don't do this, when we're not plain, we know what we ought to say, we don't do it, then we do feel that regret, don't you? I know I do. When I blow it in that situation, you want to kick yourself and say, you know, why didn't I tell them about Christ? What was my problem? Why did I shrink back? You know, what? what is it? What is it about me in, in that way? Am I focused on myself or how they look or feel about me and the impressions they have? We, we can't. Paul wasn't ashamed. He wasn't. And we shouldn't be. Right? You know that. So we regret that when we don't take advantage of the opportunities that the Lord gives to us. Now, having said that, even Paul asked for prayer and proclaiming the gospel. He wasn't just a, a superman, of course. You know, there's, as Christians, there's sometimes you're, you have that doubt and so on. So we ask others to pray. Paul asked uh, those in Colossae to pray for him. At the same time, pray for us also that God may open us to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ, that's the gospel, on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Please pray that I say the things that I need to say, the things that we know to be true, the truth that is there, that God will give me that courage and that boldness to speak it, that I won't be ashamed in that way, that the Lord will do that. So we see that. However, the testimony of Scripture when it comes to Paul is powerful and plain. So when he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, he's not just saying that as an idealistic type of thing. This is He wasn't. And the scripture teaches us, scripture after scripture, shows that the Paul wasn't ashamed and he preached the gospel. He took every opportunity to preach it, didn't he? To proclaim it. Whether it was in one mule towns on you know in the middle of nowhere or in metro centers. Whether it was to, to peasants or to kings, Men, women, rich, poor, slave, free, Jews, Greeks, every ethnicity and every background, he preached the gospel. He wasn't ashamed of it. Are you ashamed of it? He wasn't ashamed of it. He did it. He endured everything from disagreement or mild disagreement with the gospel to absolute rejection and ridicule and beatings to prison because he was not ashamed of the gospel. Just look at a couple passages, just to show you this. You already know this, but I want you to see Paul's not just proclaiming something from on high, which a lot of us preachers can do, but then fail to actually go out and do that. Paul wasn't like that. He backed it up. He did it. He wasn't ashamed. So, just a couple passages in Acts. Please, if you will, turn with me to Acts chapter 14. Acts chapter 14. And we'll see this, this um, unashamedness of the gospel that Paul has. And uh, chapter 14, and he and Barnabas were at 
Lystra and they were preaching the gospel and they had healed a, a man who was crippled. And do you remember the people came out and they wanted to honor them as gods? Like, you know, they wanted to worship Paul and Barnabas. And what did they say? Oh, yeah, we'll take your worship. They said, no, no. They tore them. Don't worship. We're men like you. We're here on the behalf of Christ. And what you see in this man is because of Jesus Christ. And you need to believe in Jesus Christ. And they're preaching the gospel, boldly proclaiming it, not ashamed of it. But what did that get him? And we could learn from this. And we could expect this. Again, we'll talk more about this aspect next week. But look at verse 19. After he preached the gospel, but Jews came from Antioch and Iconium. And having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul. They threw stones. They got stoned. And they stoned him, presumably to death. Right? They stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. But when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up, entered the city. On the next day, he went on with Barnabas to Derbe. When they had preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in their faith and saying that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. Amen. Do you see that courage? Do you see that boldness? Do you see that unashamedness? Don't you want to be like that? Don't you wish you were like that? After that, the death being stoned nearly to death, getting up, going on, preaching the gospel, continuing to do that, not ashamed of it, even though it costs, and then even coming back to that place and encouraging the saints there. That's it. That's being unashamed. That's the boldness that, that we need. Um, go to chapter 26 in the book of Acts, chapter 26. And as you're turning, I'll just set it up a little bit. This is Paul before king. He's now before King Agrippa. This is the high, like standing before president, a dignitary, somebody who's above us in rank. But Paul shows that unashamedness of the gospel. And he's very, very passionate as he talks about his conversion and about the gospel and, and seeking to, to uh, persuade them. And, and he's being bold in front of these kings and rulers and so forth. And um, he gets down to talking about Jesus even being raised from the dead. In verse 23 says, he's talking to them about the gospel and says that Christ must suffer and that by being the first to rise from the dead, he will proclaim light both to our people and to the Gentiles. And then verse 24, he says, And he was saying these things in his defense. Festus, who was a leader, said with a loud voice, Paul, you're out of your mind. You're crazy. You're talking nonsense. That he was raised from the dead. He said, you're, you're out of your mind. But I want you to see the unashamedness of Paul. And he continues to pro proclaim the word. He says, Paul said in verse 25, I'm not out of my mind, most excellent Festus, but I'm speaking true and rational words. For the king knows about these things. And to him, I speak boldly. Right? That's the opposite of being ashamed. For I am persuaded that none of these things has escaped his notice. For this has not been done in a corner. We're not preaching it over here in secret little ways. We're proclaiming the word of God boldly, unashamedly, outwardly to the entire culture, to all the people. That's what we need to be doing as Christians. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you believe. And Agrippa said to Paul, in a short time, you would persuade me to be a Christian. And what's Paul's response to the king? Paul said, whether short or long, I don't care. I would to God that not only you, but also all who hear me this day might become such as I am, except for these chains. That's boldness. That's unashamedness for the gospel of Christ. So Paul has authority when he says that. He's not just like 
prepping the troops and kind of leaving them to go into battle. He does it firsthand and through experience, right? The thing is, you might be saying in your mind right now, but that's the Apostle Paul. Who am I? I'm just this little... Listen, this attitude, this mindset, none of us are off the hook. Do you understand? You may be more gifted as an evangelist, and amen, and praise God. Your personality might be more outward, amen. That's good, and that's, that helps in that way. But none of us are above and beyond the call of duty to be unashamed of the gospel. None of us have that right to be unashamed of the place where we where we do not speak it as the Lord gives us opportunity to do so. This isn't something beyond us. It's not just for the big guys. It's not just for the pastor. It's not just for those guys who are out there. This is for all of us. And that's where the challenge comes in, right? That's where you need to be, where all of us need to be challenged. Because this attitude isn't something for only certain Christians, man. It's to characterize each and every one of us. Does it characterize you? Does it characterize me? That's the question we have to ask. Are we unashamed of the gospel? Because that's an attitude. That's a mindset. Our personalities, our, our temperament plays into that. But this is a hard thing, right? This gets down into, are you ashamed? Are you embarrassed? Are you afraid? And in the way that I talked about being ashamed in that way, right? I got to tell you something this morning. You need to know and you need to listen that unbelievers all around us are very bold and unashamed. Now, where we're living in this culture today, there are so many that are so bold about the things they shouldn't be bold about. They're unashamed about things they should be ashamed for, and they will stand before God, and they will know that shame unless they repent. But those that don't love Christ... Those who have their causes, they're not ashamed. Why are we ashamed? Why are we the chickens in so many ways? Why are we the ones who have to be the quiet ones when we have the truth? And then there are others who don't have the truth of God, but they're so bold with what they believe. And they're all over there. And we, and we almost have to listen and are, are almost um, confined not to respond. We should be the boldest of all because we have the truth, because we have the message. So now we have, for instance, the LGBTQ plus community right now. What's this month? Tell me, what is this month? Pride month. That's the opposite of being unashamed. Right? They're being ashamed. I'm sorry. That's prideful. Very loud and very proud. They believe deeply in their cause. And they are proclaiming and they are preaching a gospel. You better believe it. It's not the gospel. It's another gospel. But they are preaching the gospel. They are evangelizing. They are proselytizing. They are mesmerizing. They are catechizing. And they are indoctrinating. And they are making disciples. You understand? It is a battle. And they're not ashamed. And they'll put the flag on. And they'll walk down the street. And they'll proclaim it loudly. As they do. I don't think for a minute it's not making an impact. You cannot go to a school from kindergarten through college where there's not curriculum that's LGBTQ friendly. And you don't have a choice because they're proud and they're unashamed and they're bringing it in. Media, it doesn't matter. Every single outlet. I don't care if it's social media, especially on social media. Every avenue of social media. Movies, television, songs, sports. LGBTQ friendly, no doubt. They've evangelized well, haven't they? They're not ashamed and they're bold. From theme parks, throughout culture, it's saturated throughout culture, from theme parks to city hall, 
to Thursday night at your local library where you can go and bring your kids to uh, Drag Queen Time Story Hour. They're evangelizing. They're not ashamed. They're bold. We're tacitly accepting, buying in. If not, you're going to be forced to accept. So either way. So it's also evangelism by, by fire as well. Right? The same thing could be said for critical race theory and BLM. This is a context in which we live. They're bold. Very bold. No questions about it. You might think, oh, BLM is kind of quiet right now. A little quiet right now is because there's nothing to, they're embedded already in so much, right? CRT is everywhere just as well. So they're embedded and they're, they're kind of in their element right now. There's nothing really to, just wait for another shooting. Just wait for something else, an election down the road. It'll be back. But BLM, Black Lives Matter, you must understand is deeply, deeply spiritual. The founding members are all spiritists. They, they hold to religion. Yoruba, it is a West African religion, very deep-rooted in that way. Patrice Colors, who's a founding member, former Jehovah's Witness, by the way, said BLM, Black Lives Matter, is not just a social justice movement. Quote, this is a spiritual movement. It's a spiritual movement at its heart. Unquote. They're not, pr- they're not ashamed. They're very proud, and they're out there, and they're loud, and they're on the streets, and we're hiding in a corner as Christians. What's wrong with us? We have the truth. New Age spiritualism. Whenever you hear a person say, I'm not religious, but I'm spiritual. Okay, that's New Age kind of religion, syncretism, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Bring some Christianity if you want, but it's kind of uh, a mishmash of different religions. It's New Age, and we celebrate spirituality. We're not going to celebrate Christianity. If you're a Christian, you need to stay over there, but any other kind of spirituality is just fine so long as it doesn't include Jesus Christ. So you follow Oprah and others who are not ashamed. Loud and they're proud. Go to the go to the Barnes and Noble bookstore and you'll see the whole section on New Age spirituality, book after book after book, numbers, numerology, this, that, and the other thing, magic spells, anything in that genre and in that way. Far too many Christians are less than bold. And you need to understand, as the world becomes increasingly hostile to us, which the world is becoming increasingly hostile towards Christianity we have a tendency to be even more timid, awkward, even a little ashamed of the gospel. And the world wants that, doesn't it? That's exactly what Satan and the world wants from us as Christians. Be nice, be quiet, stay in your lane, right? Don't, don't come over here. Don't, don't say anything about that. Don't bring your gospel. Don't bring your intolerance. Don't bring that message here. There's no place for that. There's no place for hatred here. And that's what the gospel is seen at. So what do we do? Just be quiet over there. You can have your little church, but don't go beyond these walls. You can have your little group and your little bubble, but don't take it outside of that. See? While they glory in their shame. I think the challenge for us is to be able to say along with Paul that I am not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Paul understands that we have that fear, that doubt, that concern at times. 
even with Timothy. Young Timothy was kind of timid in Paul. So Paul encourages him in 2 Timothy 1, 7, 8. says, look, God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power, love, and self-control, Timothy. Therefore, because that's true, don't be ashamed. Come on, man. Don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord. Don't be ashamed of the gospel, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in the suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Sometimes we're afraid. Sometimes we're timid because we won't be accepted, because we know what we're going to face, because it is a stumbling block to some, right? And when you put a stumbling block in somebody's way, that you're going to be in their way and they're going to get rid of you. It's all right. Just like, just like the gospel for the Jews was a stumbling block because they were expecting a different kind of Messiah to come. They wanted a warrior, conqueror Jesus, right? They didn't want a, a nobody from a nowhere town, you know, kind of obscure in that way, lowly carpenter with no... They wanted their kid. That was a stumbling block for them. And when you tell people about Jesus Christ, it's a stumbling. I can't live the way I want. Who's this? Do I have to believe? I have to repent on him? That's a stumbling block for me. That's foolishness to me. And the world's not going to suffer fools. Right? So, but this is what we can expect. We should actually be encouraged in that way. So you see that? That's encouragement. But there's also a warning. Because, it's not, because this is who we are called to be. It's not just a choice that we make. It's part of who we are. Do you understand? It's a big deal. And when we're not, when we're ashamed, we're not being who we are to be in Christ. And we need to be careful and we need to be warned. In Luke, I'm sorry, in yeah, Luke chapter 9, Jesus says this, whoever's ashamed of me and of my words, then I'm going to be ashamed of him. Hmm? Uh, of my words, um, of, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory, in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. We can't be ashamed. You need to learn from that warning as well. It's not just an encouragement, but it's also a warning. If you're ashamed of him, and that's the pattern all the time, and backing down, then he's going to be ashamed of you before his Father. Listen, there are signs of being ashamed. And I know this is tough because I feel this thing. I think all of us wrestle with this to one degree or another. At least most of us do. I don't know about flex, but most of us do. (laughs) I love that. Because there's different levels of giftedness for sure. But look, there are signs of of being ashamed. And and I say it's to guard against these as Christians. Because Paul was not ashamed. And that's not part of who we are as Christians. So... There are a couple personal level um, ideas and then a few corporate level ideas in terms of being ashamed. And we really need to fight against this idea. So on a personal level, I think the first one is like you just being a mere example for Christ. Right? That's, that's kind of a subtle way of showing your shame of the gospel because you're not going to come out and tell people about Jesus, but you're going to show them Jesus in your life, right? You're going to, you're going to, they're going to catch Christ when they look at you, right? That, that's good. You're going to be the best worker that the company's ever had, and you're going to be the best friend and the best spouse that you could be in understanding and forgiving and, and loving and honoring and, and humble. And people are going to look at you and say, man, that's, that's, I'm, yes, I'm going to, uh, that's what I want. Listen, of course, of course, there's value in this. And we need to be a model. We need to be examples for Christ Jesus. That's absolutely true. But mere example is not enough. You have to understand that. Yes, you, at some point, no matter how well we model Christ, you are going to have to articulate the gospel. 
to get up to tell people. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, right? That's the way we need to proclaim the gospel. Don't be ashamed and don't hide your shame in this idea that I'll just be good and I'll just be the best Christian and people will see me and then they'll go to be with Jesus. Make it nice and easy. No, that's good. We need to be the example, but you need to be able to articulate and speak the gospel as Christ gives you opportunity. Don't hide behind the mere example of it because it comes by hearing and not by the word of God. You need to articulate and speak the gospel and talk about sin and talk about the depth of sin and talk about repentance, talk about faith, believing, receiving, trusting on Jesus Christ. We need to proclaim the gospel of Christ. Number two on a personal level is that we fail to share plainly when the Lord gives you opportunity to do so. If that's you, man, you then you have to check and see, am I ashamed of the gospel? I know I'm not ashamed, I love Jesus, but am I ashamed of the gospel? When I have clear opportunity. So when people say something like this to you, has anybody ever said to you, my life is just so empty. It's just really empty. I don't even know what tomorrow is going to bring. I don't even know why I'm here. Have you ever heard that from somebody? Well, here's what I believe. And then you let them talk and they tell you what they believe. You're a religious person, aren't you? Things are pretty good in my life. Things are going pretty well. They are. But you know what? Something is just kind of missing in my life. I don't know. I have all the material things. I'm on a good path. I'm healthy. But, you know, something's just missing in my life. Listen, these kinds of statements are open invitations to proclaim the gospel No matter who you are, no matter your personality, no matter your temperament. If somebody comes up to you and says, my life is a mess. And you say, as a Christian, oh man, you know, don't worry. Things are going to get better. You know, just kind of persevere through. You know, how can I help you? Is there anything that I I can do to help out? Hang in there, man. It's going to get better. Things always, it's going to work out. You'll be all right. Don't worry. Later on, you're going to walk away and you're going to kick yourself because you didn't proclaim the gospel to them at that time. Because fundamentally and foundationally, what they need is the gospel. That's where the transformation comes from. We can't use these subtle ways or or these excuses to cover our shame or being ashamed or embarrassed of the gospel. We can't do that anymore. We never should do that, but we can't, especially now. That's that's on a personal level. You need to wrestle with that. As God gives you opportunity, you need to proclaim it. We need to. We can't be ashamed of the gospel anymore. No, it's over. Start today, right now. That's it. As he gives me opportunity, I'm going to proclaim it. Now, we have our evangelists that go out and proclaim it on the amen and praise God in those situations, but every single one of us has the obligation to preach it, to not be ashamed, to not be embarrassed. We know it. Somebody preached it to you, didn't they? How did you hear? On a corporate level, we kind of dodged this this idea or, you know, kind of cover that shame or hide that shame in several different ways. First of all, we customize the message. Now, next week, we're going to really drill in on this idea or more so on this idea because we can't cover the message, alter the message, hide the message in any way because God's power works through the message. But we'll talk more about that next week. This is more personal this morning. This is more trying to convict you, convince you, encourage you to be unashamed. So... Uh, on the corporate level, the first thing is, is to customize the message. 
That's more, and we've talked about this so many times, the seeker-friendly church. They want to attract you into the church, a kinder, gentler church, and so they replace biblical vocabulary. Uh, they use euphemisms a lot. We've talked about this so many times. What do they call sin? A mistake, you know, a, a bad decision, a bad life choice. Instead of calling what the Bible calls it sin against holy God. You know, that's that's why Jesus came. Um, we we kind of take the edge off the harshness in, in, of Christianity in some ways. We don't want people to be uncomfortable or be offended by the truth. That's a clever, that's a very clever um, uh, kind of ashamedness. I guess I'm not, I'm not even sure that's a word. But it's a clever way of covering your shame. You know what? I'm not going to give you the whole thing. I'm not going to hit you with the gospel. But just kind of nice and gentle. You know, we're all messed up and God is so good and he wants all of us. Right? That's, that's, that's safer. And there's no shame in that. There's no real repercussions against that or even against you. And instead of saying, look, the Bible teaches that we are sinners on our way to hell and we need to repent and believe. That's a little different, isn't it? See, but we can, we can cover that up. We need to be careful. Paul wasn't ashamed. We cannot be ashamed, please. Another way we do it is minimize the gospel. Minimize the gospel message. Um, a couple ways. Some churches very rarely make a clear biblical presentation. They'll get aspects of the gospel in, and, and all these are kind of interconnected a little bit, but they won't include all the elements of the gospel. You know what I mean? Jesus came. Jesus loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. You know, just um, uh, repent, believe on God, and he'll save you. And it's an incomplete presentation of the gospel. It doesn't have all the elements of the gospel. Again, that's a nice, subtle way of covering our shame. You know, I don't have to really, there's, there's nothing there that's really going to cost you necessarily. You're not really putting it out there. Um, again, I don't really, I think a really good illustration of this is, is, is some churches add on a, a gospel message at the end of a sermon, like an appendage or something like that, an add-on type of thing. Um, you know, famously, Joel Osteen has his messages, his 20-minute messages, life coach teaching, variations on the same message week after week. But Joel Osteen will say he does preach the gospel, and, and, and I heard this on CNN on one of his interviews. I always give a gospel invitation. He's not wrong. I mean, at the end of every one of his messages, you will hear this. Breakthroughs, the fullness of your destiny in Jesus' name. And if you receive it, can you say amen today? I'd like to give you an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. Would you pray with me? Just say, Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. Come into my heart. I make you my Lord and Savior. If you prayed that simple prayer, we believe you got born again. We'd love to send you some free information on your new walk with the Lord. You can text the number or go to the website. But I hope you'll get into a good Bible-based church and keep God first place. Victoria and I'll be right back to speak a blessing over you. Okay, that's and that's uh, the message. You see, that's a that's an appendage. That's an add-on, like twenty minutes of super life coaching type teaching. But then we're going to put this little appendage on. Okay, but there's not an explanation of what that repentance is, and what trust is, and what faith is. But that's a nice way to kind of avoid the the shame that the gospel presentation 
um, brings forth in other people and then their attitude towards you. See, we can't squelch like that. We can't, it has to be a full-on presentation of the gospel. That's easy, man. Pray a little prayer. Bingo. I'm, all right, that's cool. I'm, I'm in. <laughs> Just like that, all right? It's not good. It's another way. We minimize it. It covers the shame. We have to be out there. We can't hide behind these kinds of little tricks that we play to avoid that. Because when you preach the gospel, unashamedly, there's going to be pushed back oftentimes unless the Lord is breaking their hearts. There's going to be ridicule. There's going to be scorn, just like we read about Paul. But he wasn't ashamed. We're willing to take that for the cause of Christ. Amen? Don't be ashamed. And, um, the, the last one we'll look at is is the, the kind of churches today that, that conceal. I, 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 I didn't really know how to articulate this one, but they kind of conceal the gospel in cool contemporary approach. I'm sorry I don't have my outline this morning, but it's it, it's concealing, kind of hiding the gospel message in a cool contemporary kind of approach. Understand? So you go to many churches today where, and this is a big deal today, especially where they want you to feel comfortable, especially if you're younger. It's almost like going into a nightclub atmosphere, loud music, played for a long time, a very, very relatable pastor, um, preaches just like on topics and, and re- relevant topics of the day, uh, very, very relatable, um, with a lot of passion, a lot of energy, a lot of sympathy, uh, who mixes in funny stories and jokes. And always let you know, and I want you to pick up on the language here, always let you know that God understands your brokenness, right? He understands your brokenness. He knows how messy your life has been. And he's able to heal the wounds by the one who was wounded for you. And there it is. That's the one. He heals your wounds by the one who was wounded for you. And he's able to level out the rough places if you lean into him. Right? And as you do that, he's going to love on you. He's going to love on you. He's going to love his wrapping. He's going to wrap his loving arms around your hurt and your pain and give you peace. So don't be afraid to just be real and, and vulnerable with him because you can trust him. Are you tracking with me? You should be laughing. (laughs) Let me just pray a blessing on you. See that? That, that, that's kind of the, the contemporary cool way of bringing the gospel forth. You know, he's going to heal your wounds by the one who's been wounded for you and the one who loves you. So believe in Jesus. And it's a nice way to cover up that, that, you know, that, that shame, right? So you, so you don't have to be, it's, it's just a beautiful, nice little presentation to come to the Lord. Subtle, clever ways of covering our shame that actually hinder the work of the gospel. And we're going to talk much more about that next week. Okay? So I'm going to leave you with this this morning. Ask yourself, am I ashamed of the gospel? Why is it? What is it? Is it, what's stopping me? Is it the fear of man? Right? Listen, I'm going to say this to you. You could be nervous. Many of us are. You could be nervous, but you should never be embarrassed. This is the gospel that saves us. It's the gospel that brings life. It's the gospel that's the only hope. Again, look at the, look at the unbelievers, man. They're not ashamed, and they're preaching lies, and, and they should be ashamed. We shouldn't be ashamed, and yet we, far too often we act like we are. It's, this is a change. This is the hope of the nations. 
And Satan would love you just to be as you are, quiet, silent, in your little corner in that way. You could be apprehensive. But don't you be afraid. Don't you be afraid to preach it, to share it. Risk it, man. Risk it. Risk the relationship for the cause of the gospel. It's worth it. It might cost you. Your own family members might turn away from you. Jesus said that would happen. That's what the gospel does. But you need to risk it because it is the only way. Don't be ashamed. Don't, don't preserve a, a relationship, even a familiar relationship, at the expense of the gospel. Don't do that because you're not doing that person any favors. You could, like I've said before, you could love them straight to hell. So what? You could be shy. But you can't be silent. You can't be silent. You have to take the opportunities that the Lord gives you to speak it. In your own way, your own personality, your own temperament. You know, you don't have to be an RC. You don't, you know, don't have to be Flex, who's really good. You don't have to be, you're you, man. And the Lord will use you as you speak his truth. Don't be ashamed. You're going to see why next week we're not to be ashamed and why we need to speak it plainly. And that's because it is the power of God unto salvation for all those who believe. It's the power of God. It's not you. It's his power. We're obligated to speak that truth as he works in and through that. We can't tell people lies and expect God to work powerfully in that. Or we can't shave the truth and expect God to powerfully work in that. We're the faithful servants that need to speak it and need to preach it plainly, lovingly, but boldly. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God unto salvation.